0: Today, on The Courier Daily, we're looking at two industries on the rise. Bicycles and wine delivery.
1: For the month of April, our web traffic is up 120%, which is massive. Yeah, it's massive. Our online sales are up about 50 to 70%. You know, kind of week to week, we're always watching and seeing what happens.
2: A business like ours is definitely benefiting. And I think any person who can deliver wine online... And adapt to growing demand levels quickly, which we, we've been able to do so, is going to benefit.
0: I'm Daniel Giacopelli. It's the 21st of April, and this is the Daily Podcast from Courier. We're talking with small business owners all over the world to find out how they're adapting and growing. And first up today, some good news out of Germany, a country that's been pretty roundly praised for how it's handled its response to the pandemic. Some shops in Germany, retail spaces of less than 800 square meters to be specific, are this week actually allowed to reopen. Well, on the line now from Berlin with more is journalist and Courier contributor Miriam Partington. And uh, Miriam, what's actually been announced over there and how does it affect small businesses?
3: Germany is actually one of the first nations that's actually taking steps to relax lockdown measures. And the health minister has announced that there'll be a kind of gradual turn to normality, with an emphasis on gradual. A couple of the, the measures that they've um, announced today is just that retail spaces of less than 800 square metres will be reopening. And entrance control, they've called it, is going to be mandatory for all shops. So I can imagine this means that, you know, they're only going to be letting in one or two people at a time. It's going to be very kind of limited, you know. Places like car dealerships and bike shops and larger bookstores will be allowed to open as well. But until further notice, bars, restaurants, cafes, gyms are going to be remaining closed. So slowly but surely there's life coming back into the small business sector, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's huge. It's huge news. And, you know, from where I am right now in London, where everything is closed, basically, except for food stores, it seems like another universe, basically, that a country not too far from us is like starting to slowly reopen.
3: Even last week, we were kind of reading in the news that this was going to be a possibility. And I think part of the reason for this is that the German Mittelstand, so the name that's given to small to medium sized enterprises, they're thought of by the government as the kind of backbone to the German economy. And they account actually for the largest share of the country's economic output. So it's in the country's interest, to, you know, get these businesses back in action. So it was always, you know, on the cards that businesses, particularly small businesses, would at some point be allowed to reopen. And another thing, I guess, is that the German government were pretty effective at shuttling financial aid to to small businesses, too. So I think on the kind of global landscape, they've been a pretty stellar example of how to manage this situation, really.
0: And on a personal level, what's it like right now as a person living in Berlin? Will lockdown continue for some odd months or rather some odd weeks, I guess? Or I mean, is there kind of clarity in what the situation will be for quarantine?
3: We've been told that for the next three weeks, lockdown measures are going to continue. And then May the 4th is the next date where we're going to hear about what else is going to start opening. So again, it's this kind of like gradual return to normality, as the health minister said. But I think there's going to be a few interesting things to come out of these new measures that the government announced today. For one thing, I think it's going to completely change how retail works, for example. So even though social distancing measures, I think, are probably going to still be in place until, you know, for the next couple of months, at least. The shopping experience, I think, will become a lot more personal, actually, as fewer people are going to be allowed in shops, right? So shopkeepers are going to be able to really attend to people's personal needs. So, for example, Specs Berlin, they offer premium glasses. They announced on Instagram this morning that they're going to be reopening, but actually people have to book their visit before they go. So I'm seeing a lot of this, actually. It's definitely like a health measure and trying to enforce the idea of social distancing, Similar things are happening with design and furniture brands as well. So there's a company called Masano Vintage that are creating handmade furniture, but they'll also be doing these kind of personal consultations by appointment. So I think this is just going to fundamentally change the shopping experience because it's not going to be spontaneous anymore, right? Like if you're having to book a consultation, you can't just kind of wander by a store and and pop in. That's not going to be allowed anymore.
0: Next up, we're off to Los Angeles to look at the bicycle industry with the owner of a local brand. Adam McDermott is the founder of Linus Bikes, which makes French-style city bikes and accessories. They've got a store in Venice on Lincoln Boulevard, and they sell the bikes all over the U.S. And Adam, I know the bicycle market has been affected by COVID, but actually it's been almost in a positive way in that more people are taking up riding.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we actually launched... Linus in the last recession in 2007 and we saw it sort of from the introduction of the brand because our our position in the market is more focused on transportation traditionally in the U.S. just quickly there's you know so it's always been recreation or very casually used like boardwalk bikes have rarely been seen as a as an option in transportation so that was kind of the idea behind Linus to to provide that bike And I think in recessionary times or where people are reevaluating and bikes became popular and I think our, our timing was right for that and we grew out of that recession and then things got improved and the economy was doing great and it's kind of boom times and bikes become less of an option or less of an interest maybe because there's so much choice. In my own life, you know, you have to schedule time to read a book. Now there's just more time and I think people are coming back to bicycles and, and I don't know if there's any parallel between the last recession and what kind of what we're experiencing now that people return to bicycles, but definitely judging by our web traffic, there's there's renewed interest in cycling.
0: Yeah, I imagine a lot of people though don't want to go on a bike in a bike share program or scheme because of maybe not so hygienic. I mean somebody touched it five minutes before you, right?
1: Yeah, it's the communal aspect, definitely. And I mean, just Los Angeles and our own community here, there's just Hardly any cars on the street. In normal times, people are, the streets are crowded and people are driving very aggressively. And now it's quiet and there's lots of space and it feels safe to do. So that's definitely impacted it.
0: So how's business been for you? I mean, let's crack open your uh, e-commerce and your, your bank account. <laughs> I mean, how, how are sales been in the past couple of uh, weeks?
1: We're cautiously optimistic, but, you know, for the month of April, our web traffic is up 120% which is massive, yeah, it's massive. Our online sales are up about 50 to 70%. You know, kind of week to week, we're always watching and seeing what happens. There's so many sides to this thing. so. When this all broke out, we did see some of our stores closing, we so. We're primarily a wholesaler. We do have our own retail location and we also have e-com.
0: You have a store on Lincoln Boulevard in Venice. Is that closed right now or is it open? We're open. We're
1: kind of reduced hours and we have like sort of a method of being able to serve our customers where like they they wait outside and there's only one customer at a time and it's mostly appointment only. Initially, and I think stores just didn't know how to deal with it and there was a, there were some immediate closures. We saw about 20% of our stores close immediately. Uh, since then another 10% of reopened, so it isn't a lot, you know, we, we're still, our wholesale business is fairly intact. The stores have found a way to navigate this crisis, whether it's like short, reduced hours, less staff, curbside pickup, even delivery, just reducing the amount of people in enclosed in space. So our wholesale business is actually, and I think a lot of the stores are kind of experiencing the same thing, there's renewed interest in cycling and it's not coming from the athletes, the people who are gonna ride no matter what, you know, rain or shine. It's really like the the sort of recreational user who who left cycling for a while. So you see a lot of families coming in, you see a lot of purchases that are not the high-end purchase but they're kind of that mid, I need a bike to ride around, which is good for the industry because it's generally a new customer. You know, it's it's not the endemic athlete who just has multiple bikes and probably isn't gonna add much more to the industry. That, that was always our position.
0: And on a personal level, have you changed your daily routine, how you go about things, your stress management? I mean, I know you have a family.
1: We're sheltered here. Thankfully, we're in Los Angeles. So uh, we have a bit of space. It's not like being in, in New York and some of our friends that are there that it's, I think it's, it's much harder. You know, we have a bit of a yard that we can be outside in. And at the same time, we're, you know, we, we're working through this and trying to find the space to work. I think one of the significant things that I've seen and that we're doing is kind of towards the end of the day here, we'll take a bike ride or we'll go for a walk in in our neighborhood. It's kind of amazing to me how many people are just kind of out for a stroll, which is like they just didn't have the time, you know, whether they're like running off to like a workout class or to some after school soccer practice or Their lives were just so busy. People's lives were so busy. And now, like, you just see them actually just, like, kind of being outside and just walking.
0: And finally, how is the wine industry doing right now, from winemakers to wine sellers? And what brands are adapting in interesting ways? Well, Josh Lakovic is founder of The Wine List. That's thewinelist.net, a brand new monthly wine delivery startup that sends hand-picked wine bottles, along with tasting and learning cards, to your door. The company, based in London, has seen a really big uptick in sales since the lockdown began. Josh is on the line now. And Josh, I wondered if you could give a bit of an update on the wine industry in general and how it's been coping during the crisis.
2: I think it'll be difficult to kind of put a definite answer to that until we see what kind of trade numbers it like six months from now. But from where I see it, large, the kind of restaurant and bar side of the trade is still the most significant part of the buying market. The bottles of wine which are sold, which make up the vast majority of, say, supermarket sales, are at the kind of five or six pounds end of the market, where there's lease margin for everyone involved. The restaurant trade is kind of responsible for buying a lot of the high value stuff. And they've obviously, for the most part, had to shut down and, you know, the kind of reports about what the future looks like now means that pubs and restaurants are likely to be the last places to reopen when lockdown gets lifted. It looks like there's going to be huge levels of disruption from that past for trades from now onwards. And so you've kind of got one of your big buying arms completely kind of either gone overnight or having to heavily adapt, and we'll go some people you know, adapting well uh, in a minute. And you know, the conversations I have with the importers we work with, for them the people who are online like ourselves have definitely increased but it's not enough to kind of offset the head they felt from not supplying the restaurant trade So that kind of that talks about kind of a small part of it which is the restaurant and the kind of high end part in focus yeah and I
0: know my question's a bit incredibly broad because there's wine makers and people who make the wine there's importers and exporters there's wine shops that sell the wine there's e-commerce that sell the wine as well and you know you could probably name a hundred other people within that chain as well each of whom is probably affected differently.
2: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, wine is the UK's most popular alcoholic drink, which always surprises people. Think People think it's going to be beer. Over half of the population drink it at least once a month, usually. I imagine that's gone up slightly in the last month as a kind of percentage and frequency term. From a winemaker perspective, I guess they're in a reasonably good position that a lot of the, you know, especially kind of lots of the vineyards which we buy from a very small operations, you know, they're probably either family teams or kind of very small teams, it's outdoor work a lot of the time. And so best to label is kind of make wine, even in kind of parts of Italy where it we're kind of very heavy lockdowns early on. And some winemakers were stopped from working early on. They got lifted out of that quite quickly. It's probably the kind of middle part of the growing market, which is most hit because the very small end probably is family end when you can, now probably bring your kids outside or something to kind of (laughs) you know stay with you while you're working it's for people who would have to kind of go to bigger bigger wineries and have to leave the houses which are going to be hit in that way so yeah there's kind of disruption there but you know people are still shipping wine with the importers we work with are still getting shipments in to the uk they're kind of ordering lower volumes while they're kind of trying to plan for longer term and yeah, the kind of supermarkets are the biggest deliver kind of people delivering wine I mean, just from going into supermarkets, seeing all the, the shelves empty, I guess they're definitely hitting supply, whether they're kind of or over or over-under, I don't know.
0: What areas of the wine industry do you see opportunities, whether that's in the weeks ahead, the months ahead, or the next 12 months, somebody who might come out on top of all of this?
2: A business like ours is definitely benefiting. And I think any person who can deliver wine online and adapt to growing demand levels quickly which we, we've been able to do so is going to benefit you know i know that all the other wine boxes and e-commerce places are doing well naked wines who are basically the biggest in this kind of bracket you know they did 500 million in trading last year they turned off their new customers which was great for us when, when that happened because we kind of could take advantage of that
0: and why did they do that
2: but it said they couldn't meet the demands they've since turned it back on but there's definitely been the fact we're kind of, the fact we're less than a year old, we've been able to adapt very, very quickly into operationally and in terms of marketing, which is which has been great.
0: What about small bottle shops and like your neighborhood local wine store? I mean, there's one near me, literally five seconds away from my front door. We went yesterday, bought a couple of bottles of delicious natural wine. Will those guys see an uptick that's sustained, you know, for months because people are rediscovering their local shops now maybe they're not going to a large supermarket
2: yeah so i live in between camberwell and peckham in south london and near me there's peckham cellars which is a wine bar they're kind of you know less than six months old they've started doing home deliveries with certain postcodes quite a few of the other bottle shops around me kind of doing the same things so hot Burns and black they're doing that as well the camberwell arms which is a gastropub they've stopped selling their wines and their spirits and so Certain brands within wine and kind of local brands are adapting really, really well and seeing it as an opportunity to probably have better relationships with their customers because the people who are running these places are talking to their customers now, which they weren't doing before as much, broadly speaking, kind of delivering kind of great service, whether that's, you know, I, I can't imagine that the kind of revenue makes up for 100 people in a restaurant every Friday and Saturday night, but it's plugging a gap for them and probably kind of embedding the kind of brand locally a bit more as well.
0: And are there any brands that you've been following that are adapting to the situation in an interesting or profitable way?
2: Locally, and yeah, this is a very local example, but Peckham sellers are doing very well at that. They kind of switched almost a few days after lockdown started saying we're going to do deliveries uh, from now on and started kind of just getting a van and driving around to doing that. I think there's, there's kind of wine... I guess they're kind of sort of influencers. There's quite a big wine Instagram community and there's definitely been a kind of switch in content types. A lot of these people might have done corporate tastings before or they might have been kind of consultants for kind of smaller restaurants and stuff, which maybe don't have sommeliers. And a lot of those types of influencers now are switching to being kind of IGTV stuff. There's like a huge switch to content in that way and a much bigger output of content. So much so there's also been a bit of a backlash now against how much IGTV stuff for us
0: in what sense in in the wine world or generally
2: yeah in the wine world Somebody called Ruth Ruth spivy who she runs wine car boots which is a kind of they usually happen king's cross a few times a year winemakers come and sell wines out of car boot it's a really fun day she kind of tweeted something like can we nominate people to stop doing igtv videos which I think kind of when when I open up Instagram now and I follow a lot of people in the wine trade, there's probably kind of like 20 different IGTVs going on at any time in the evening. Definitely had a backlash so far.
0: My special thanks to Josh Lakovic, Adam McDermott, and Miriam Partington for today's show. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. And make sure to send me any business questions you want answered as well. We might be able to feature it on an upcoming show. Just record your question in audio format and email it to me at daniel at couriermedia.co. As ever, sign up to our email newsletter, The Courier Weekly, as well for more stories of pivoting, adapting, surviving, and growing. That's at couriermedia.co. Sign up. I'm Daniel Giacopelli, The Courier Dailies, back again on Wednesday.